Welcome to episode 12 of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, where you'll hear what it's like to train for and run your first marathon. I'm Dwayne France, and I'm joined by Coach Morgan Lattimore, the People's Coach, and together we're going to share the week-by-week training journey that'll take me, just a regular guy in a mere mortal, to the finish line of my first marathon. And if I can do it, you can too. Thanks for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. I'm excited to be going on this journey and pleased to invite you to join me along the way. There's a couple of ways that we can be connected. Follow the podcast wherever you listen to them, and you'll be notified when a new episode comes out. You can also see where the journey takes me by connecting on Strava, by going to strava.com forward slash athletes forward slash M3 podcast, which will be in the show notes as well. There, you'll see where I'm going and if I'm following the training plan like I'm supposed to be. You can also find all of the episodes on the fundraising page of my charity partner, The Second Wind Fund, at coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast. The mission of the Second Wind Fund is to decrease the incidence of suicide in children and youth by removing barriers to treatment. They match children and youth at risk for suicide with licensed therapists in their communities and pay for up to 12 sessions of therapy when there's a barrier to treatment. And simply by listening right now, you're doing your part. Every time someone listens to an episode, $1 will be donated to the Second Wind Fund up to $1,000. So listen, share, and know that you're doing your part to stop suicide in children and youth in Colorado. So check out coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast for all the episodes to give to the cause or simply to see how far we've gotten. This week, Coach Morgan and I go over week nine of training. We had a couple of weeks of 32 miles. Week nine, we did 30 miles primarily because I was doing a 5K time trial to set a goal for the speed work that we're going to be doing in upcoming weeks, but also because the local 5K I did was not quite 3.1 miles. Interestingly, I'm no stranger to mismarked courses. It was an extended 10-mile course for the Army 10-miler that got me into doing half marathons. But when I crossed the finish line of the 5K, my tracking watch and everyone else's read 2.84 miles, not 3.1. This was a course going through downtown Colorado Springs, and it seems as though the people laying out the course didn't pay close enough attention to the course map, and the first turnaround was placed a block short. That's okay. There was some confusion there as my pace according to the race timing was a 7 minute 30 second pace per mile, but it was actually a more realistic 8 minutes 11 seconds. We did 3 miles on Monday and Tuesday and 8 miles on Wednesday while I was on a work trip to California. The 8-mile run was a neat trek around Bay Farm Island north of the Oakland airport, so I enjoyed that. And 3 miles on Friday with the 5K-ish on Saturday and rounding out the week with the 10-mile run on Sunday. So check out this week's coaching call reviewing the week, and we'll come back afterwards to wrap things up. So week 9 done. Had a little bit of a stress test this week. <laughs> it was funny because as I get a sidetrack of doing training plans on Sunday and I knew when I looked at your race information yesterday, and I was like, oh, tomorrow is going to be interesting. One, time change. Two, 10 miles after a hard effort is a unique thing. I know that it comes with a whole lot of, it haven't even, I just see that it's, yours is posted and yeah, I don't have time to read that. So it's probably best that we think about it right now. But I will go through the week. And first of all, I would ask you, like, how are you feeling? And like, how was the week as a whole? It was, as I was thinking about the week, it was really interesting. The first three runs of the week, 
I was at sea level. So I was in a San Francisco Bay area, east of the Bay. So those runs felt really good because I was running at a different altitude than I've typically running. Wednesday was a really good eight mile run, had a decent run. And then Friday was my first run back at altitude, the interesting race yesterday. And then the nice long run today. I feel like it was pretty good. Yeah. We're going to talk about nutrition again. Dude, you're in this cliff bar mess. Yeah, because I, I don't think that for a marathon, just to have something on your stomach is good. But like if we're trying to fuel for optimum performance, matter of fact, I'm just going to address it now because I see in here, you said Wednesday, right? You did good. So you had a couple of bites of a cliff bar. Why cliff bar? Tell me why. It simply, and it's what I'd always had. I mean, it, it was sort mm. of that thing that it's still the thing in the pantry. I guess it's because it's the familiar. Okay. But definitely am looking and have been considering this week of doing something different. Okay. So you look at it, we still have these starchy, dense carbs, right? And the amount of time you're going to be out there. If we were doing an ultra and you say, I want to have a cliff bar because I, I just wanted something on my stomach, that's different than I'm going to have a cliff bar in an hour and 22 minute run. You know why? Because what you put in will dictate how your body absorbs it, right? Because there's things that are more dense. There are things that are, are, that are more difficult to digest or just take longer to digest. No, I mean, not just difficult because not that somebody has different dietary needs. And so when we look at a cliff bar, I, one, I think of sawdust personally because it's so dry <laughs> like it just they just do great marketing right that's where most people know about cliff bar is because they do great marketing and not to say it's not a good product it's just there's a time and place for it and uh if you're backpacking through the back country of colorado or doing something like that but if you're out on the run what can i put in my system that could give me more of a the closest i can to an immediate fuel source and so when i'm looking at something that dense i'm like okay you eat it at 30 minutes in so you might not even start feeling it until the end of the run. Like you probably wasn't hungry at the end of the run because you still had the bar in there. It wasn't something that it could be easily absorbed. What we need to look at is the easiest thing to do, I recommend, is jails. And I, when people think jails, sometimes you think of goose and stuff like that because that's what most people know, hammer jails, the old school stuff. I wouldn't recommend those because so a lot of those jails are really high in sugars. And they've gotten a lot better. They've improved a lot of recipes when it comes to that stuff, but there's still a lot of sugar in, in a lot of these high-marketed jails. Or they're like Huma, H-U-M-A, is a more of an organic gel made with chia seed, right? And so these are things that you have to like take into consideration when you put it in your body because the more sugar-dense, unnatural sugars, right, the bigger the spike in blood sugar. And when you the, you spike it, just like you're doing caffeine or Cokes or candy bars, or I've seen people do gummy bears and Snickers and all kinds of stuff during a race. And then they also run it with Tums. Why? Because then sooner or later, the stomach is going to revolt back because all that, the blood that usually is in the gut to help you to digest everything is now in the extremities, normally the legs when you're running, right? And so what else can we take? Human is a good one. There's a couple of other ones out there. Humans, I take those and I have, if I'm doing jails, if I'm doing liquid, then I'm going to do F2C nutrition. And that's a liquid base and they have calories, carbs, things that and I can send you links to learn more about these things as well. What I love about F2C, one is, yes, I work with them. I'm sponsored by them. But at the same time, the reason I am is because... You can jump on a call with them and they can explain why you need to use it this way or that way. I've had them talk to multiple athletes discussing like what is the best use of that nutrition for them and then teaching them what they put in their body. And because it's athlete formulated, it's not just saying, oh, you don't see. That's one thing I've learned. I was talking to somebody this week about this. It's like you see a lot of 
nutritions and they're, they're like, oh, man, this must be good. Why not? Just because it's well marketed doesn't make it really good for you. And so we have to learn to determine like what better fits the need that we have and what are we using it for? Is there a need for a cliff bar at a certain race at a certain time for a certain venue? Yes, there is. It's food, right? And it's actually pretty healthy for you. But at the same time, is this the race for? Is the marathon the race for? Right. Because as you start getting in the backside of it, usually that's where after mile 15, people start having digestion issues if they're going to have them. Right. Because the fatigue starts to kick in, the legs are working overtime, the gut is working overtime, and it doesn't have as much energy to break down everything. And so, a couple of the things that I've learned over time that don't work, right? And no, I do nutrition. And so, I understand the basic nutrition of macros and things and, they, and the densities of food and, and things of that nature. I'm not a dietitian. We want to make sure we're clear that I'm not a registered dietitian. And at the end of the day, if you want one, if you have any sensitivities or abnormalities when it comes to immune systems and things like that, yeah, I think you should go. You see a doctor or a registered dietitian to handle those things like diabetes and things of that nature. But when you are just, I guess what I would call an average athlete, there's multiple choices out there. There's a lot of different choices. But what I've always learned, what I, the tips that I give my athletes is like things that high in sugar, high in caffeine, high in fat, very dense, right? We can go with the dense stuff on the further end, but like when the shorter end, especially in the effort will determine that. And if we are going to take a certain type of nutrition, do we need to practice it? Right. And so this is that time where it's like, okay, are we going to do jails? Are we going to try the jails? Okay. How many, how long do we plan on being out there? Four or five hours? How many jails you need? Well, one jail, like a human jail is about a hundred calories. So you need two jails an hour at the minimum, the minimum, right? Do we need water? Because not all jail or um, hydro jails, you don't need water to actually take, right? You can take them without it. But other jails, the Huma jails, the Goo jails, the Honey Stingers, you need three to six ounces of water. It depends on what that brand recommends to actually dilute it so your body can absorb it. And so these are the things that you have to be thinking about. And this is the time to start playing with those ratios to see what works. It's also not about what you didn't put on here. And sometimes you do, but I don't think you did this time. You would say what you had in the morning for breakfast, if it was coffee or something like that. And... That matters, right? What you that because if say some people you hear some people, oh, I had a bagel with with peanut butter on it or something like that. Then they went out there and they tried taking the nutrition. They wondered I felt sloggy, my my gut was it was full and I was bloated because you put something in your body that can't it just can't break down. Even that's even happens when you do something new. People that's why carb loading is a bad thing. They're like, oh, carb loading is great. It is not right. You can eat carbs that week. But to overload the carbs, your body's not used to breaking that down. So all this comes back to what is your body going to absorb in the most efficient way possible? And that's what we need to play with that ratio. We need to, I, I really want to get away from these cliff bars. No, I hear you. Yeah, no, I get it. And <laughs> again, it's one of those things where it's, and that's why I wanted to, of course, bring it up last week and start getting yeah. into it this week. It's just sort of what's been at hand. Yeah. And I think we have enough time to try around with it. I think when I first went back to running last year, I think, one week I tried like the wafer thing and the cliff bars was just the thing that I had in the closet. So definitely we'll look into it. And I was even thinking about it yesterday on the, I, of course I didn't fuel during the run. It was only a 5k yesterday, but as you were talking about what you eat before, I typically don't have breakfast before I run because I run early in the morning. I usually mm -hmm. have something to eat real quick. But yesterday, like we talked about, I did eat. It was probably two and a half hours. It was about two hours before. I ate, and then I still felt it on the run a little two hours What'd later. What'd you have? 
What'd you have? Um, I do a fruit smoothie, a cup of frozen berries, some Belly almond milk, man. but also a banana and a little bit of granola. And I think those yeah. the banana with granola is what I felt. If my criticism, other than how they did the run yesterday, how they did the course yesterday, <laughs> but my my, if I was looking back at yesterday, I was feeling really heavy, and I think it was because I added after the run. That's usually what I'll do is I'll do a fruit smoothie with banana and a little bit of granola after the run. But I did that before the run, which was a little out of my norm, and I felt it on my run yesterday. And this is the big part, right? We will see people uh, the denser the. Whatever the nutrition is, I don't care if it's a banana. It's always healthy. Yeah, banana ain't bad for you. But how much of that banana? So, so you'll see some people just take a bite of a banana when they're racing, and that's it. Because they know that if I eat half of it or the whole banana, now I'm full. And so it, it really depends on you. And the biggest thing is most of us are 40s and above that listen to this podcast, right? Is your body is changing. What you had when you were in your 20s and 30s, you can't do that. Like It's going to shift. And so you hear a lot of athletes say, oh, I've always done this or I've always ate this. You know, things change and you have to be open to that change to be able to fuel your body efficiently. And so I think going with the the gels or going with F2C, either one will be good just to test out. And for me, I like to keep it mixed up. Like I'll have something. Like I like bunk breakers. Right. And bunk breakers are a good, solid food for me. And I like it. And it depends on what I'm doing and what that is will be determined by the weather that day, the distance that I'm running or riding, whatever it is, the race goal. Right. Do I plan on going 10 minute, 10, 11 minute miles? Right. Because my body has time. But do I plan on dropping the hammer? OK, I don't want to be chewing because I'm trying to breathe. Right. <laughs> so these are things that you need to be thinking about. And if you're not playing like you can, there's another piece to it. Like You can eat nutrition you can pace yourself but during training as you train you're taking in nutrition you're teaching your body this is what it does at this pace so there's two pieces to this you need to train with the nutrition at race pace you have to do that because you need to know how it's going to react as your heart rate rises and or lowers your body's going to react differently two is you have to make sure that the pace that you train in is the one you use on race day a lot of people go out there and they slog around in with no purpose in training and then they go out there and say you know what i'm gonna drop the hammer and you think the same amount of nutrition is gonna no, but it's like a car a ferrari a corvette or anything when you hit that gas harder it's gonna drink more fuel your body does the same thing right more fuel more water you may need more fuel when it's hot why because your body is burning more calories, right? What that fuel is might change because it's hot outside compared to when it's cold. So these are the things you have to be considering for that race down the line because you start training in the winter and then when you when it's race day, it's hot outside. Have you decided what that looks like and have you done your best to simulate that? And that's the key. What I want you to do, and I'll tell you this here, is pick one, whatever it is, and get enough for a week. Right. Just get enough for it. You don't have to, like crazy stuff during the week. Say if you did jails and we're doing longer runs now, if you got like 10 jails, they pick some flavors and kind of decide what you get. And then let's just try that first. See how much water we need. Right. And then we're going to start here getting into a race pace here very soon and settling into that as we get up towards the higher mileage. And so your body can test that out on the long run days. I want you to get up and I want you to act like it's race morning. I want you to eat breakfast two to three hours prior. Then I want you to have that about 30, 45 minutes before, about 100 calories. And then the moment that gun goes off, your nutrition clock starts. Mm-hmm. So 
everything you did before that is something totally separate than everything you do during the race. And then we say, okay, I went out there with a 20 ounce bottle of water. I finished it or I didn't finish it. And then we can pour it back into a measuring cup and say, okay, how this is how much I didn't finish. This is how I felt. This is the temperature that was outside. And once we have that, what we do is we can now we can adjust. So could you can go up to a race day. It could be, oh, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. And then it could be freezing. And you go out there with hot nutrition standards. And then that doesn't work because it's not the same. You're not burning as many calories. It's colder outside. That's say you don't do anything. It just, it may look different. It may not. It depends on you. And it's easier to write it down and say, hey, this is the plan. Go implement the plan and come back and say, this would work. This what didn't work. And then if we need to adjust, we adjust. If we don't, then then we don't. But it, it really becomes important, especially when you have sensitivities, food sensitivities or dietary needs. You need to practice a whole lot. And if you can, we match it up with what they're going to have on the course. That's the last piece of this. If we Sometimes we can't. And if we can't take it on what's on course, then how are you going to carry what you need for four or five hours? Right. And so I think that's the end part of the nutrition. And then I'll leave that there. <laughs> if you got questions, I'll answer those. No, I appreciate that. And you're right. I really like the idea of having a standard, having a plan, then you can be flexible off of the plan. It's a lot easier to plan and then be flexible than to just go out there and wing it because it'll be wildly different, like you said. The race can start cold. How many races you had in the morning? It's freezing at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And by the time you finish, it's hot. It's super hot. Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, looking at yesterday, and that was the interesting thing. And this was the first race that I've done that, that we've done in this training cycle. And my goal was, I'd mentioned before, I think we started, my goal was to just go under 820. And I went 810. I think I was secretly hoping to go faster. Like I had, a, I had that sort of that A goal, B goal, C goal. Like there was, we a all? Part of me, there was a part of me that I was like, oh, I was a little disappointed, but I was still very much on my standard 5k pace. And, it, but also it was a little strange yesterday because there was a little bit of imposter syndrome. Oh, tell me about that. Well, you know, and, and this was a big, there were probably six, 700 people out there. So this was a big okay. community race. And like you were saying last week, where do you line up? And so I was trying to gauge either like back of the front or front of the middle. Like I was trying to mm -hmm. see where I was at and all of the young singlet wearing, I was standing up there with them. <laughs> so then I decided to back up a little bit, a little bit, step back a little bit more. But then there was this idea, you know, so I'm normally a solo runner and now I'm running with a bunch of people and you don't mean to do this, be like, oh, I think I'm right where I'm at. But then there were people that were with me at the starting line that I started off quick and then they passed me up a little later. So there was a little bit of that as well in that I know where I'm at and I know why I came to run that 5K yesterday, but there was still, I don't know, 200 people that finished in front of me. So it was a little interesting. But why does that matter? Like we we look you're at right. the two because you don't know what those people have been doing. You don't know what the abilities exactly. are. Like you're mad. Like I can see if you knew like it was 10 of y'all in the field and you like, I know each one of these guys and I'm just as good on a great day. You know what I mean? But you these are this is a, it's a race full of five, six hundred people. You have no clue 
mm -hmm. their physical abilities are. And it's even like you said, you didn't line up based off like, hey, what's your time? Hey, what's your time? You looked visually as I think I'm faster than him. I think I'm not as fast as him, right? <laughs> or her. And so these are the things that you got to think about. So I have a question with that. Like, where did you end up lining up and did it pay off? Did that conversation pay off? I think I did merge into the beginning of the middle or the front of the middle. And of course, having done enough 5Ks, 10Ks, and even the half marathons, you're right. There is that little bit of jockey in for position. And so there were people in front of me that should have, that were a little slower that you had to dodge around. And so I think it wasn't until three quarters of a mile that I sort of steadied in. I think I met, I think I lined up where I intended to, but then, like I said, there was a little bit, I was feeling that heaviness in the gut. I did feel that twinge of pain right about, I think it was a mile and a half in sort of my hip. And so in and again, the whole thing about the course was throwing me off because they had mismeasured the course and where I was thinking where I was at on the course, the mile markers weren't measuring up to the watch <laughs> or the thing. So it was, I feel like I, I ran the race that I intended to run, but even though I know you're talking about, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I still found myself trapped and not even trapped, but pushed a little bit by that imposter syndrome. And I had to shake yeah. it off a little bit. How did you shake it off? one recognizing and I recognized that that's what was going through my mind. I was like, man, I, that guy was lined up behind me and now he's passing me, like recognizing that that was happening during the race and then telling myself, that's it. This is my race. It's not his race. I'm not running. Like he ain't winning any more than I'm winning because we're still <laughs> 200 feet, you know? I mean, and we all have those little races within the race, right? I'm going to get that person or they're going to pass that person right. where we are. And so really it was like I typically do, once I started feeling it, naming it, and just letting it go. I always tell people, like, if, if you're faster than them, you'll see them again. If they're faster than you, then you are where you need to be. So it's it. You can't control that. Like, people, they like, oh, he flew past me. He could be faster than you. If he ain't, it will show. <laughs> like, if you believe me, you will see. I've seen many people, I was doing a race, and it was a triathlon. And it was a 70.3. We were moving, too. We were on the bike, and they were dude they're blowing past me on the bike and i'm not a weak cyclist by any means and i think this race i went under for the 56 mile i went under three hours which is really good right before our age grouper and all these people i passed on the run because they overrode the bike because their strategy had no purpose they didn't really have a strategy right they just went out there and did something and but i knew i had to ride this bike and if i rode more than this or faster than this with a higher effort then I wouldn't be able to run as efficiently. And so that's what marathon training or any other type of training is. Do you understand the, the, the demands that you're going to put on your body? And how do you make sure you stay within yourself and don't let other people, the, one, the imposter syndrome and other people pull you out of that because that's where you sound, I had a plan and I went somewhere else. And it, it usually never goes right. Like it just doesn't because you haven't trained at that effort. And so how do you expect to hold a certain effort? And we ain't been training. I know I ain't been training you to race nobody. Right. We're going to finish a marathon. And so you can finish strong, feeling good and learn something from the experience. If we were training you to race someone, one, we would do a lot more research on your competition, right? And you'd be lining up up front. <laughs> we'd be having totally different conversations on the podcast. And so you had, a, you had that, you did, but you did really good, man. When I look at this, and I was at a 10, you were at an 18? Yes. Yep. Eight, eight, 11. Yeah. Eight, 11, eight, 18, 11. It's you know. extra second to yeah. me. <laughs> and that's fast. What do you think about it? 
No, I agree. And that was the, and it was weird because of when I would say I felt the effort, I did feel the effort during the 5k and it felt hard to me because I was running hard, but I think 810 is good. Like I, I had mentioned in one of my comments, it was, a, it, that's about my PR at altitude. I think I have a PR at altitude and then like my actual PR is probably like seven 59 pace at sea level. So it was right about the effort that I did in the 5k back in December. So I felt good. I felt like it was fast and not even without the qualifiers of being, I'm a 49 year old guy that looks more like a wrestler than I do look like a runner kind of thing. But yeah, I felt good with, uh, with an 811 pace. I'm reading, I'm reading everything you wrote right now as you talk and really you only took a hundred calories. Well, we talk about the 10 miles. We talk about the 10 miles. Said I had a bit of water and about 250 calories about a one and a half hours before the run. And then the next time you you mentioned nutrition, it's like fueling when we consume 100 calories at the half hour mark. The, yeah. Yeah. Half I, hours. So maybe I was in post run fatigue at the every you half mean, hour. Every 30 minutes. Okay. Every exactly. half hour. Right? Yeah. It you says know, half it, hours. Yeah. You know me now. I'm a rule follower. You tell me what you tell me what the rules are. And by golly, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the rules. No, I was doing the 100 calories every half hour. I wasn't timing my drinking the same way, but I was timing the fueling the same way. So you should have had 300 calories during the run. And then how soon after the run did you eat? Probably, I think where I run is maybe 15 minutes from the house. So probably within the next half an hour as soon as I got home. What what was that? What was that? A little bit of meat and eggs, a little bit of protein and eggs. Okay. Was it, are we looking at 15 to 20 grams of protein or are we just looking at like 10 grams of protein or five? No, I think it was probably 10 or 12. We had a little bit of some lean steak left over. We need to either have a more substantial, wait a little bit longer, wait an hour afterwards and have a substantial meal that has, that is high in protein and some superfoods in there, some greens and things of that nature. Post long run, because as we, this is 10, we're not going backwards. We're going to go farther next time. We do this two, one or two ways. You have a protein shake that automatically has 20 plus grams of protein in it. And it gives you some carbohydrates that you can help you replenish and some electrolytes, or you can have a meal that does the exact same thing. I'd rather go the natural route and actually have a meal. And so you're not just drinking it, which is fine, but we need to eat more. That's not enough. Like you should have had a real meal at that point. And you say you started this two hours. So you finished at eight o'clock. So it had mm-hmm. probably been early lunch, <clears throat> early lunch. And then you could have had two more meals that day. Overall, the run was great. Tell me about, did as I'm reading it, you know, you said the post fatigue, did the hip pain creep in? It did. And I think that in you were talking about the run, the 10 mile run after the hard effort yesterday, I think really yesterday afternoon, the hip pain from the run, the 5k yesterday was lingering a little bit. And I think that's really what was on my mind. And it's not really hip. It's like above the hip. It's like in the oblique. So it's really in a different, it's not even like your hip flexor. It's a little bit higher than that, but it was not as deep or as sustained. And like I said, I probably only felt it probably in the first half a mile, three quarters mile, it warmed up. And even now I'm feeling okay. I'm still feeling a little bit sore, but that was really, I think the only thing that was on the 10 mile run. I didn't feel pain or heaviness in the muscles and the legs. Even after yesterday's effort, I really didn't feel pain in the joints after the yesterday's effort. Didn't feel that was really the only strain. And to go back to yesterday, some of that was where that happened. And I was looking at it this morning. It happened as I was turning a corner. And I think I was turning a corner and I was stretching too much. And like I said, on the run yesterday, I straightened up my running form and it went away a little bit. So I think 
any more than you're a nutritionist. I'm not a physiologist, but I think it had to do, it has something to do with my form. I have some hip stretches that'll be good for you. Let's put that in on Monday. Yeah, I would look at those today if you have time. Get an idea of what they look like. And if you need questions, you need to answer them, please let me know. But it'll do a good pigeon pose, happy baby, good hip, good hip and core stretches. And, and that's where it sounds like it's in your core and probably coming from your hip. The tightness could be due to like a, your running form or in the way your legs. I think you said you're like your ankles. You got a lot of things going on. So there could be some imbalances in there or some over overcompensation for some things. And the only way you know that is go to PT. If, it, if we can just make sure you stay healthy, that was something I would recommend that you go see a PT about is to kind of, okay, what is going on here? Other than that, the run today felt really great. I didn't feel a lot of, like I said, not a lot of pain, not a lot of fatigue, felt really good. You shouldn't have. You usually feel like some of it, you know, if you ran, you ran hard that day before, but based off the volume that you, that we've been at, it's a, it's a, it's a distance you can go and it pays like your heart rate 152. Like that's low for you. Like we need 153, 154 is actually lower and steadier. So there is, and then like I'm looking at your heart rate, looking at your pace. Like it was just smooth sailing. You're turning into a very good pacer here. We made a beast here and that's really good. But you, the, you see the gains, right? That's and right. Now I think what we have, Oh yeah. So we got the, Toronto thaw out 13k and then we have the take five in garden of the gods and then we have the marathon in May on the 21st so next week we are going 17 miles total yeah I noticed that we're stepping back this is this is a step back week yeah and so you'll feel some aches and pains when it comes to that type of stuff it's about it's the body healing that's what's going on. It's it's we got a lot. You want to keep moving during this stuff. You want to keep stretching because things are starting to will start healing. You may feel restless. You may feel extra hungry. So just be mindful of that because your body may be like, oh, I want protein. You might want cheeseburgers or steak or something like that. You might crave certain thing carbs because your body is used to a certain volume. But you say, okay, that's like, oh, we're not doing that. Oh, we can take a break. Oh, okay. During the break, we need to heal. Let's heal. And so that's that sensation people feel, the kind of like the shadow pains and things of that nature. Don't freak out. Don't do nothing crazy, right? If something is painful and it's more than a three out of the scale of one to 10, three or more, like I want to know immediately. And that means text message. Don't hit, don't put it on training peaks. Like when it comes to pain, I had to tell a couple of athletes, you know, sometimes they'll put it in training yeah. peaks, but I'm only in there a couple of times a week. So don't bury uh, it in the notes. Yeah, don't do that. And I'm like, I'm reading. I'm like, oh, I should have knew this the other day. Like, if it's something that bad, I need to know now because I might just say, don't run tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to say that I'm in training peaks every day because I'll be lying to everybody. But if you text me, I will respond. And I, even if I don't respond, I will make the adjustment or say, don't run. Let me look at stuff before you do anything. And so you'll take that. And then we go up to 38 miles after that. It's going to be a big one. Yep. Yep. I saw that. Looking excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. And then we got the thaw out. So the thaw out will be easy in comparison. That week of the thaw out, basically you have a negative split run. You'll, we'll start getting into a little bit more speed, a little bit more tempo type stuff, not a VO2 max or threshold type of speed and sprint stuff. But we'll start getting into more of a more muscular endurance, the more than aerobic endurance. That's what we've been working on, building the mitochondria, making sure those the, those the blood is efficient enough to bring it oxygen to your heart. And now that we've done that a little bit and you can, that's how you know the, the heart rate is lower. We see that. 
So we always had to, at some point in training, had to call it and say, okay, we where we need to be, let's start building race pace, right? What is that going to be? And so as we do these negative splits in these races, I started, okay, what does this look like? Can I push him here? Can I push him there? And give you a little bit more freedom to like, just let it, let the body go. Don't push it. Just, if it wants to go, let it go and let's see what happens. And then that'll tell us like naturally where your speed is. And then we'll try to find a point and we'll stick with that until race day. Sounds like a plan. I'm here for it. Easy day, man. That's all I got for you today. Sounds good. We'll get it. All right, coach. Talk to you next week. All right, brother. Have a good day. So that was week nine. The 5K was interesting to me for a couple of reasons. If you're listening to the series so far, and as I mentioned in the episode, I'm really a solo runner because my workday matches my team schedule. They're primarily based on the East Coast, and I like to run in the morning, so I run super early. And since I started running again, I've been a frequent racer doing at least one race a month, but this was only my second race of the year, the first one being a 5K on New Year's Day. So it was different getting back out there and running with others. And as I mentioned also, it was a big race. I said in my conversation with Coach that it was about five or 600 people, which tells you that I'm as bad at estimation as I am at math, because looking at the race results, there were over 1,200 people there. So there were definitely folks there who were faster than me and folks that I was faster than. But one of the things that has stuck with me from this episode is where Coach Morgan talked about others passing you while you're running a race. I always tell people, like, if, if you're faster than them, you'll see them again. If they're faster than you, then you are where you need to be. That's it, right? You can't control that. Like people, they like, oh, he flew past me. Well, he could be faster than you. If he ain't, it will show. (laughs) That's a thought that's going to stay with me, I think, and probably even be a mantra as I run the marathon. If someone passes me and I notice that I'm having negative thoughts about it, I'll say to myself, if I'm faster, I'll see them again. If they're faster, I'm right where I need to be. Great stuff. So thanks again for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast where you can hear mere mortals like you and me reach our goals as I train for the 2023 Denver Colfax Marathon. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. If you want to support a great cause, I'm a charity partner with the Second Wind Fund, a Colorado organization that focuses on improving access and delivery of suicide prevention care for children and youth at risk for suicide. You can donate to the cause by going to coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast. As a reminder, simply by listening to the show, a dollar's going into the pot. If you want more dollars to go into the pot, share the show with others who may appreciate it. If you want to reach out to Coach Morgan to show appreciation for the excellent work that he does, or sign up for the People's Coach newsletter, you can find him at morganlatimore.com. All of the links to each of these are in the show notes, so thanks for joining us for another episode of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, and just remember, mere mortals can do extraordinary things. 